If you have Ecclesiastes chapter 5 open, would you please stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God? We'll be looking at the weight of worship. How significant should we look at this moment of worship as a body of believers? And so as we spend these few moments together, it might can inform how we approach the Lord. So we'll begin in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. We'll start in verse 1 and work our way down through verse 7. The Word of God says, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for, for God is in heaven, and you are on earth. Therefore let your words be few, for a dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words. Now when you vow a vow to God, do not delay in paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools, pay what you owe. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. So let not your mouth lead you into sin, and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one you must fear. Let's go to the Lord in prayer today. Heavenly Father, we ask now that you would help us to see the weight of this moment of worship before you, our holy and almighty God. Open our eyes up from the, the mundane routine that we get stuck in and help us to see what it means to come before you, our almighty and holy God. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Like many of you, every morning I wake up and have a cup of coffee. It's a routine. Virtually every single day I drink a cup of coffee. Now that hasn't always been true of me. When I was younger, I was part of the camp that didn't like coffee at all. Some of you may be in that boat today. You think it's bitter, terrible, and you have no idea why anybody would like such a substance. Uh, but for me, I, I didn't drink it for years. Then I decided, you know what, I'm gonna start drinking coffee. I'm, I'm an adult now, I'm a grown man. Grown men drink coffee, so that's what I'm going to do. And so I started drinking coffee, and so you get up in the morning and you fix the coffee, but it's bitter, you know, you don't like it. And so then I do what the second camp of individuals in this room do does. I pour a lot of things into the coffee to remove the coffee taste. So you pour creamer and sugar, and then some of you guys, you've got that big bottle of like creamy sugar in the uh, refrigerator, and you dump that into there, and then it's really more just like that, that sugary substance with a little bit of coffee taste. And so you, you dwindle down your coffee uh, to where you can tolerate it. Well, then just about, I guess, four or five years ago, I decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy some good coffee, and I, I'm going to make the jump to being a real man. And so what I'm going to do is I, I'm drinking it straight black coffee. 
I'm not putting anything in anymore. It's time to grow up, right? And so I get up in the morning, and so I did this. I started, it was in January of year, several years ago, and I started drinking black coffee every day. Said, I'm gonna do it for a month. And uh, I, can't, I can't drink it any other way now. I, I can't, once I started drinking it that way, so, so again, the third group in the room is like, amen, that's exactly right. That other stuff's not real coffee. And so, so for me now, I'm completely, I, I had no idea how good that coffee could be because I dumped so much extra stuff along the way. You know, I was ignorant of how good coffee was. To me, I, I thought I needed to put a bunch of extra stuff on it, but I didn't know. Now, now that kind of ignorance is the same ignorance the Bible talks about here in verse 1. So just look at the last phrase of verse 1 with me. I'm just going to jump to a couple phrases to introduce our time. Notice what it says. For they do not know that they are doing evil. Now this passage is about us entering in worship, not having just kind of in a pedestrian fashion, just checking the box. We go to service, we're happy to be there, but we're not engaged with the Lord, we're not listening, we're not praying, we're not preparing. There's no sense of any sort of worship for us and we go home. It's a routine, it's a box check, it's just part of, that's just what I do on Sunday. It doesn't mean anything to us personally. That type of person is what's being described here. But what's interesting is the Bible says this person doesn't know they're doing it. They don't know they're shortchanging their own worship. So oftentimes you come to church and you hear a sermon and you think, I can diagnose this myself, right? You think, I, I'm able to figure out my own heart, and so you tell me the sermon, and I'm like, I, I know myself. The problem in the warning of this passage is you don't actually know that you're missing it. You, you're coming to church, and you're sitting through a service, and you're attending worship, but you're actually completely missing God himself. Now, just before we get too far, I'm not here to guilt you into something. What I'm here to tell you is there's something better. And I just want to give you the word. Look at verse one again. Notice the phrase, guard your steps when you go to the house of God to draw near to listen is better. So, so here's, here's what I'm going to lay out for you today is that what we're actually going to have and to be striving for and talking about is, is a better for your life. It's something that will be better for you. And this isn't a guilt trip about come here and be, be somehow guilty that you're not closer to God. I want you to see that you're missing out. That, that you're coming here, it's like somebody preparing a whole meal and then you just dump the meal in the trash and you walk away hungry. You're going to do all the effort to come to church, you do all the effort to sing, and that you're just not going to eat. You're not going to take what's actually meant to be food for your soul, to worship God. So if you're wondering if this sermon is for you, if you come every single Sunday and it doesn't mean much to you at all spiritually, you're the person I'm talking to today. Maybe when you pray, like you, 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 you start praying in the service, and if you were just honest for a second, you'd say, my prayers, I don't really mean what I say. I'm not even really thinking about anything when it's prayer time. It's, it's kind of meaningless to you. Maybe, there's another one for you. Maybe you come to church, and you walk away, and you go, I'm going I'm to do better, but the reality is you never intend to do any better. 
There's no sort of change in your life. If I said, do you look any different as a Christian six months to a year ago? And you're like, nah, I'm pretty much the same person. If there is no general sense of awe of God and the fact you're here today to worship from him, worship him and to hear from him, then this is for you today. That you might wake up to Jesus and how he is much better than anything you have right now. That you would see him, you would be freed from the legalism of church to the grace found in Jesus Christ. So, we as Christians take worship seriously. See, we, we take seriously the worship of Almighty God. Now, I'm not saying this has to be all stiff and formal all the time. That you, you have to be that way. What I am saying is this is a serious moment when we come before a holy God, and you need to be, you, you should be fully engaged in God himself. So this is a weighty matter today. So what I'd like to do, take the passage, talk about how we approach worship. Now, admittedly, this is Ecclesiastes. We're in the Old Testament. A lot of the, the, the vows, the, the approaching the temple, they're going to be things of the Old Testament. And what we're going to have to do is we're going to take the, the principle, we're going to lift that principle up, and we're going to move it to the dead. We're going to look at how you would prepare to worship God then in the same way we should prepare to worship God now. So if you're taking notes and how we should approach God, here's the first one. We prepare seriously. We prepare for worship seriously. How do you approach worshiping God? Look at, the, look at verse 1. It says, guard your steps when you go to the house of of God. There's a warning here. The, the media of the passage says, watch your steps when you go to the house of God, when you go to the temple. So if you go to the Old Testament, we were to think about this, you're going to the temple, you're going to walk in. If, you, if you're familiar with the Old Testament temple, you know the Holy of Holies is a dangerous place. There are places you can walk in the temple that if you walk into them, you could, you could die. We know in the Old Testament, Nadab and Abihu carry in a a fire they shouldn't be handling it, and they walk in and they die. So, so there is a sense of this is a holy, almighty God, and when you approach it, there ought to be some sort of awe and fear of him. Guard your steps. You know, also when you see the temple in the Old Testament, you know what it costs for your entry. You get to watch animals being sacrificed so you understand what it costs for you to be able to come to worship God. Now, it's a little different today. Today, the, the temple of God now is us as believers. The Holy Spirit now dwells in us. But then what we have here today is the gathered body of believers who are all temples in Christ. And so we ought to be more worried about the holiness of God that we approach. We ought to understand that when we come to God, we should do it in a serious manner. Now, here's where the Bible doesn't always work in sometimes legalistic categories like we would like. Uh, we would want to go, okay, what do you exactly mean? Does that mean I need to be at church 15 minutes early? Does that mean I should have done this an hour before church? Does this mean exactly how I should prepare? I don't have that list. I, there, there's not from the Bible that I could say, here's your list. Here's the thing, though. You know what it means to be prepared to engage God in worship, and you know what it means to not. 
Some of you, it's like you come flying in here and barely make it to the moment. Or there is a thought of, I woke up on Sunday thinking I'm going together with a body of believers to worship God, and I'm ready for that. You're prepared. It's not a sense of carelessness. You're just like, ah, it'll just happen. You're serious about it. That means you, you're regular in being in the, the, the assembly of the church. You take a commitment to say, I'm going to be careful to make sure I'm there. You prepare to be a part of the service. Now, uh, let me pause and ask you the real question. Do you, when it comes to worship, if you were to look at yourself today, would you see yourself as spiritually dead? I mean, if we're real honest in this room, there's some of you that are like, yeah, that's me. When it comes to, to church, when it comes to these type things, I, there's nothing really going on with me on a Sunday. It, it, it's not a big deal. Well, well, this is a warning passage for you on how you approach God himself. And you've completely missed the reason that we're doing this. You've completely missed it. <clears throat> that God himself is the one we're here to worship. And ultimately, again, I'm going to remind you in this, and I'm going to go through all the way, I'm going to say it again and again. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to guilt you. What I'm trying to tell you is there's something better that you can have with the worship of God than you got right now. What you have right now is missing what it means to truly worship him. So we talked about preparation. Let, let's look for a minute at how you're, you're listening to God. So the second thing I want, want you to see is that we listen seriously. We listen seriously. Now this is, this is a, more than just, a, you know, you're just tuning in. Let's look at the text and then I'll talk about it. Look at verse one. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God to draw near and to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools for they do not know they are doing evil. So you, you sacrifice of fools, they don't know what they're doing. So they're just coming in, doing their usual routine and they're not, they don't have a, a listening ear to God. This isn't like a passive listening. In other words, like, I'll just compare it to this, that when, when your mama asks you, are you listening to me? She doesn't mean, can you recount my words back? She means, are you listening and are you going to do what I said? So this is a listen and obey. This is an active way saying, I'm here not only to hear the words, but I'm here for them to change me. So this means that you show up to church, you show up to worship, you show up, I mean, honestly, this is bigger than that. It's your quiet time. It's when you wake up every day. It's every part of your week. You have this open ear saying, God, what is it you have to say to me today? You're walking with him and listening. Are you listening to God in your life? Is, is there a sense of listening to him right now? Or, or is it as, just if, as if you're tuned out? You're, you're spiritually dead. You're, you're just cruising along apart from him. Now, and that means when you come to church, that means you're engaged in hearing the text. Like when we read the Bible, you want to hear what God has to say to you. Um, 
But, but are you actively listening and ready to obey? Now, here's where the temptation comes. Okay, you feel like I'm just, this is just a guilt, like I've just got to listen and I've just got to do better. But, but God doesn't intend to guilt you into it. You, there's actually a reward factor here. I'll, I'll give an analogy here with my kids. Uh, at, at the house, uh, if I want to have a full revolt, I ask for cleaning to be done. And um, it always amazes me, if you have little kids like this, and maybe you can relate, it amazes me how strong they are when they're getting things out. But when I ask to put them up, they're way too heavy to be carried back. And I don't know how it happens. Every time. So if you ask your kids to clean, it's just, it, is, it never goes well. But if I say, does anybody want ice cream? That's, there's no problem. And then if I slide in there, this is a parent trick, right? I slide it right in there, says, when this floor is clean, you get ice cream, right? So all of a sudden, you now want to do certain things because you know there's a reward at the end of it. Here's my point. The reason that you want to come to church to listen to God, to worship Him, to prepare, is because you know the reward of God Himself is there at the end. If that's not how you're approaching this, you've got it all wrong. The Bible says that, that He... He's worth more than everything in your life. Like the, the treasure that you would sell everything you have so that you can have him. That's the kind of attitude of knowing that's what you want in the Lord. So when you come here and you put your ear out and you say, God, what do you have for me? You understand God is there to speak to you. So, so wake up. There is a better for some of you today. You're, you're missing it at church right now. You're missing what it means to meet with God. So, so we talked about preparing. We've talked about listening. Let's talk about your prayers for a minute. The third thing is we pray seriously. These last two, you may, you may think every time you do these, these next two things I talk about, you think it's always good. But in fact, there's a warning here about your prayers. It's easy for us to become comfortable and, and somewhat even numb in our prayers. Jesus warned against repeating things and just saying them over and over again. So, so there's a warning here about just rattling off words in prayer and not having any sort of thought about it. Look at verse 2. Do not be rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. So rash is this kind of careless, just whatever you feel like saying. You don't even put, there's no filter on you. you. You just let it fly. To keep with the mom analogy, it's like the kid who gets too comfortable as a teenager with mom and just flies off at the mouth and says disrespectful things. It's just, I don't, I'm not going to put any filter. Just, just whatever you feel like saying. That's the kind of rash thought. The other one is this hasty word, meaning that you're quick to speak. You just, you just spout off words. You, you, without even really thinking about what you're going to say, it's just, you're just going to throw stuff out there and say them. And, and listen to the warning. Why would you be careful about what you say? Look at verse 2. It's, don't be rash, and then 
Your heart can be hasty to utter a word, but then why? For God is in heaven and you are on earth. So, so here we are. We need to be careful to realize the words we say in prayer go to God himself. There's a magnitude to understanding that what you're saying makes it up to him. You know, it's real easy to get comfortable with it and, and to begin to think it's, it's okay to just say whatever you want to God. But then look at the warning the Bible says. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words. That last phrase is, is a little complicated, but essentially it means that with the more you work comes a kind of a frenzied pace, and then out of a fool's mouth is, as one commentary says, um, verbal drooling. It's just words that are just falling out without any thought or control. It, it's you just saying whatever you feel like before God. It is a flippant prayer before Him. I don't know if you ever feel that way. You just say things. It sometimes happens before a meal. It sometimes happens, uh, you know, maybe even that's how you pray. It's just phrases that you're spouting out. Your prayers aren't actually these genuine conversations and please before, please before God. They're you just saying rote phrases. That's not that's not how we pray. And I'm not saying you have to be a, a preacher and can make these eloquent prayers. What I am saying is that you need to have genuine prayer before God that you know is making it to the, the God of the universe. You need to be careful with your words. You know, I don't know if you ever had this experience driving. Maybe you've been in a wreck or maybe as you're driving it happens every so often. Um, you know, they make cars now with with soundproofing so that when you ride down the road, you can't hear any road noise. And they put these shocks on them so that every bump and pothole you hit to where you don't feel it. So there's a sense at where you can go really fast and it doesn't feel at all like you have any sort of danger to your life. And then every once in a while, maybe you're on the highway and maybe it's your fault, maybe it's someone else's fault. You're riding down the road and somebody like drifts over into your lane or you get close to somebody and you get close to a wreck or maybe you get in a wreck and you realize just kind of what danger you're in every day as you drive. And all of a sudden you get, you straighten up. You're like, I'm putting my hands at 10 and 2. I'm back focused to get on the road. I'm not going to be texting and driving like some people get into. I'm, I'm back focused, right? Because you have a sense of awe and fear of what's going on there. And I think sometimes for us in God, we get to the point where it just becomes common with God. We just pray and we're going to church and it's just normal, it's just routine. And we forget the very words we're saying aren't just going to a friend or going to our boss or going to somebody else. They're actually going to God himself. And so for us, we ought to understand those words are actually going to his ear. So you ought to really think about what you pray. That means you ought to really pray for some things. Don't just say, well, I'm, a, I'm busy and I'm going to take care of life and I'm going to give God this list over here that just, I'll just say these things to him every now and then. Take the very needs of your life and take it to him. So, so all of that just to ask the question, when you pray, are you, are you laying out genuine, real prayer before God? Or is it just some vague phrases that you don't even mean? 
This is what I mean by spiritually dead. That we don't take seriously our worship of God. Now, now this next point's one I, I don't know if we talk about a lot because we, we would desire to see people commit things to the Lord. But I want to give a warning, as the passage does here, about doing it in a flippant manner. So the fourth thing I want you to see is that we respond seriously. It means in a serious manner, we respond to God himself. So uh, the way we'll apply this, and then we'll go to the Old Testament principle, but, but we're going to talk about when you are confronted with a sin, Bible study, church, wherever it's at, do you just flippantly say, sure, I'll pray more with no intent to ever do that? Look at verse 4. When you, when you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. So good Old Testament, you're at the temple, you go to do an act of worship, and so what you do is you tell them, you tell the priest, I would vow to, to give this amount of money in worship. And I'm going to come back at this particular time and, and, and give this money when God blesses me. So that's your promise to give this in worship. But, but he says, don't make that vow unless you intend to pay the vow. So I would equate this, if I were to carry it all the way over to now, don't make a promise to God for some way in which you're going to do something for him if you don't intend to carry out that promise you make to God. Now, look at verse 5, because the Bible even warns here, it is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. So he, he says, it's better for you not even to have made the promise. Verse 6, let not your mouth lead you into sin and do not say before the messenger, now the messenger would have been sent by the priest to come collect the money you promised. Do not say to that messenger it was a mistake. So don't try to say, ah, I didn't really mean it, no big deal. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands. So let me be clear here a little bit about what I'm talking. Oftentimes we say, God, this is how I want to follow you. I want to, I want to pray more. I'm going to start reading my Bible in this way. Like we make these steps towards God. And we inevitably, because of our sin and human nature, we're going to fail. We're you're not going to be perfect. You're never going to be able to say, God, I'm doing this path and not ever make a mistake. So I, I don't think that's what we're talking about here. What, what I think we're talking about is when you say, God, this is what I'm going to do, and you have no intention of ever doing that. You should have never have told God you were going to do that. You know, it's a dangerous thing. Uh, you say, this is just Old Testament, where you see Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5, they'll come in and say, God, this is my offering. And the question was, are you giving the entire amount that you sold the land for? And they're like, yes, we are. Well, that was a lie. They only gave a portion of the amount, and they, they died. They literally fell over dead in the spot. That's not Old Testament. That's New Testament, that God was to be taken seriously when a vow, a, a statement about what they were doing uh, was made. So the question for you is are you just giving God lip service every single week and saying, God, this is what I'm going to do, 
Are you genuinely weighing your words before a God that listens to you and saying, God, this is, I repent and here's what I would like to do. I'll even carry it a little bit further. And probably at some point in all our lives, even in our immaturity and our early faith, we've all probably tried this one. It's when you're stuck in a jam and you do the negotiation with God. If, if you'll just answer this prayer, God, then I'll do this for you, right? It's, a, it's kind of the, I'll follow through and I'll start reading my Bible, God, if you'll just fix this today, right? That's not how God works. We need to seriously weigh what we vow. So when you hear a sermon and you walk away, when you hear a Bible study, when you have your quiet time, whenever you're convicted of something, you need to think long and hard before you say, God, this is what I'm going to do from what you've called me to. As the Bible will say over and over again, don't, don't say you're going to do it unless you mean it. And, and so let's kind of do a recap here for a moment. If we were to walk back through the list of giving you preparation, listening, praying, and responded, responding, and you were to do an evaluation, all the way back at the beginning, I said, there are individuals that are coming to worship happily each week and have no idea what they're missing. Are, are you starting to see that maybe your worship of God is lacking Maybe you're spiritually dead and when you come in this room, you, you don't prepare at all. You don't even think about the fact this is going to be your worship for the Lord. And when you, when you actually come in and sit down, you, you're not even, it ain't even crossed your mind that you're going to be listening for God to, to speak to you today through his word. Or Maybe it's for you when you pray. It's just empty words. You haven't even thought about laying a serious prayer before the Lord. And then you say, God, I'll, I'll pray more, I'll do that kind of stuff. But you know, you know good and well you're not gonna, you're not gonna do that. You, you know where you sit. Now, now, what do you do if you're in that boat? And so here's why I want to end. It is, is not point you to, hey, I've given you the list, go try harder, because that's not how this is fixed. Go try harder is not the way this, this changes. And so I'll give you the fifth one, and then we'll look at the passage and walk from there. The fifth one is we trust seriously. We trust seriously. So we don't just try harder. We have to fall on the grace of God himself. See, let me show you where I get it. This in this last verse carries the theme that you see in Ecclesiastes all the way to the end. Verse 7, For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one you must fear. So, he's saying that this kind of worship, where, you, where you're just rambling off words and you're not, you're not really meaning it, it's just vanity. It's just a waste of your time. And for some of you, you may quietly in your mind think that. Why am I here? Because you feel spiritually dead. It, you're just checking a box before God. But he says that God is the one you must fear. And so we have this almighty, holy God. And so when we come to him, there's only one way to approach him. It is through 
the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that we can have this kind of genuine, God-exalting worship. That's the only way you can approach this holy, almighty, all-powerful God. It's the only way you can worship him in the right way. That's the reason we take this moment so seriously. It's in his presence. We're reading his very words. We're singing his praises. We're praying and he hears our prayers. We take this seriously how we approach a holy God. But ultimately, if you leave here with a list, we've done a disservice. In fact, we bound you with legalism. You won't you won't desire to do this at all. The way this changes is what we see happening in Isaiah chapter 6 when he sees the Lord on his throne. And when, when Isaiah sees the Lord, he falls down as though he's dead. In, in Revelation, when Jesus comes back in his glorious form, John falls down as though dead. Worship happens when you see the Lord, when you see him for who he is. So the fix for you today is not that somehow you'd say, I'm going I'm to make a checklist. The fix is that you would see God himself and you'd come back next week hungry for him. Now I'd like to take a few moments today and end with a, a, a time of reflection and prayer. If you just will, just get in an attitude of prayer, maybe just close your eyes and bow your heads. I don't know what it is, but I guess what I would ask you to do today, because what I have called for all morning is a genuine response to God, I just would ask you right now to have a genuine moment of prayer before him. And then I want to just talk to a couple of different groups of people. While you pray, and some of you are mature enough believers, and if the Lord has convicted you where you're at, you can just pray right now to him. You can just do it right now. But I'll speak first to those who you know deep down inside you're not a Christian. You know, as you hear this talk, you know you've never tasted of the things I'm talking about. You, you've never really meant the prayers. You've never really felt what it means to hear from God. And what you need to do today is repent of your sin, turn your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, and be saved. You have to have that in order to be made new. I also say it is possible for a Christian who has walked with God for a long time to have seasons of dryness, to have seasons where you feel spiritually dead. So maybe that's you today. If, I, if you were to just be honest before the Lord, you'd say, right now, I'm just, I'm just going through the motions as a Christian. There's, there's not any sort of serious pursuit of God. That's me. Then then what you need to do the same thing here. You need to repent of your complacency and you need to turn to the Lord and call on Him to reveal Himself to you and draw Himself to you. You need His ability to do this. 
That's why I've said the whole day, this isn't a legalistic call to check a bunch of boxes. This is a call for you to respond. Now let me ask you this question. As the psalmist says, as the deer pants after water, so his soul is thirsty for the Lord. Is that you today? Are you someone who desires to hear from, to to have the Lord speak to you today? Is that you? And so if not, you you need to go right to Him now. Don't be careless with your words. You need to say them just like you need to and and call on Him. And finally, if you're, we have our prayer request line. You can send it in through our website. You can, many of you know the pastors here. You can, probably a pastor, you can text or email or somebody you know. If you want somebody to pray, the Lord would revive your heart. Just send a note to one of us. We just pray for you. We can't do it like we might normally on a Sunday, but we'd love to be able to pray for the Lord to do a work in your heart today. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the hope that is to be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for we thank you for the fact you haven't left us dead in our sin, but you desire to to have a relationship where we hear from you and you speak to us and we interact with your word and that God every week we come to be gathered with the body of believers and you feed our soul so Lord today as we sing as we pray God Lord awaken our hearts so that we might love you we might pursue you we might live lives that are based on knowing you And that ultimately, Lord, our worship wouldn't be empty and careless, but our prayers and our our commitments to you, Lord, would be solid, built upon the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. May you be lifted high in our hearts and our worship in these moments. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.